0: Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the MLB Extra's Nationals podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our Nationals reporter, Jamal Collier. Jamal, we're going to break down the infield on this podcast as we go position by position as we get ready for spring training. And it's timely because of a big new addition coming to the Nationals in that infield, uh, a position we've talked a lot about during this offseason second base. But before we get to that, uh, there's a story up on MLB.com about the one big question that every team needs to answer before the start of spring training for the Nationals. No surprise. That question is, will Bryce Harper be back with the Nats? There hasn't been a lot of new news this week. He is uh, set to meet with the Phillies on Saturday so I guess no decision will be made before then so we know at least we have a few days before we find out Bryce Harper's destination but from a Nationals perspective it's still kind of to me feels like the longer this goes the longer the Nats hang around maybe the better chance that they bring him back.
1: Yeah I, I think certainly you know from the beginning of the offseason, I kind of thought the way the Nationals would have the best chance of, of kind of reu- having a reunion with Harper is if this thing lingered late into January and, and you know, kind of that he didn't get the offer or the kind of the deal exactly that he wanted. And you might see these two sides kind of work together to, to figure out, can they get something that makes sense for both teams? And I think, you know, we're starting to get closer and closer to that point. I think on one hand, the Nationals uh, you know, probably undersold their interest from the beginning. Um, this is a team that, is, that you know, had, has had the meetings with Harper and has, has really kind of um, started to engage in, in also kind of multiple conflicting reports about whether or not they've increased or not that offer. But um, I think the, the you know, reality of it is that they do have um, you know, interest in, in kind of fitting Harper into this team that is you know, pretty much done as far as everything else, their needs of this offseason. It kind of just remains the one. Kind of biggest question is, will they, They, you know, is this the team they're going to have to kind of go with 2019 or are they going to kind of add the the big piece in the middle of the lineup with them? So, um, you know, it's, it's still still somewhat unclear, but I think we're we're kind of getting to some of the home stretch for the Nationals and Nationals and Phillies seem to be the, the kind of two big players here and, and the two favorites. That uh, One of those teams seems like they're going to they're going to go home with Harper and that, um, you know, be intrigued to see what kind of comes out of this weekend and what happens in this next phase. Because it's, uh, you know, it's, like you said, it's been it's been a slowish, slowish week as far as just new developments in the Harper situation.
0: It's going to be really interesting because the Phillies obviously also in big on Machado. Um, they They want one or the other. And you wonder which decision is made first from a player perspective and that how that will affect what the Phillies do. If Machado chooses the Yankees, maybe the Phillies up the ante a little bit on Harper. And that's that would be bad news probably for the Nationals. But only time will tell. And you said it. We have to be getting closer to a decision because spring training isn't that far off. All right, let's get to the infield and with the breaking news really of the day. And that is that Brian Dozier has agreed to join the Nationals. It's really a perfect I don't want to say perfect for both sides, but a good situation for both sides because the Nationals needed that short-term fix, and Brian Dozier kind of needs that bounce-back season to reprove himself so he can go out next season, next offseason, and maybe get the long-term deal that he thought he would be getting this offseason after struggling in 2018. So um, from the Nats' perspective, though, Jamal, Brian Dozier... Just settles in nicely at second base, takes all the pressure off of the other possibilities there. Whether it be Carter Keyboom or Defoe or whoever else they were going to try to get into that mix.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, you remember on this on this podcast here, I think a couple of months ago, we were both kind of surprised when Mike Rizzo and, and the Nationals were kind of so vocal about Nah, second base, we don't need, we don't need to upgrade upgrade at that position. And now here we are a couple of months later, and of course they found a, a guy. I think that you know it naturally developed, as we have talked about it, it developed just that there's so many options out there on the market, and the Nats really wanted to find somebody that that kind of filled that stopgap role, somebody to come in. Uh, help them try to win in 2019 and, and, and you know, potentially be able to play some kind of role with a platoon or a versus, you know, off the bench or whatever it might be. But just really take the pressure off Howie Kendrick, who's going to be 35, who's coming off the Achilles surgery. Uh, Wilmer Defoe, as we've talked about, really good on defense, but it's just not hit consistently. And I think that Dozier, uh, for them, has a chance. They saw a guy they could buy low on. Uh, he could get potentially a good value in this contract, and if he gets to back where he was a couple of years ago in Minnesota, talking about a guy who's got twenty five plus uh, homers, which is pop that'll help you if you have to replace Bryce Harper in the lineup. Um, you know, he's a guy that. Um, has has been an all star. Has, has you know, the defensive defensive metrics are going to be a little bit uh, up and down. I think that you know, he does have a gold glove in his resume, but still, the last couple of years has been minus on the uh, defensive run save fit. So I, I think that at best case scenario, maybe you get an average defender. But you know, if you can get a two or three win player really at second base right now, with the rest of his lineup and the way the rest of their their team looks, I think that that's a, a net positive. And, and also on defense, when you're just, you know, we're having not Daniel Murphy at second base, uh, you know, defensively it's just going to be an upgrade for them as well. So I the move makes a lot of sense for him. I think that, um, you know, Carter Keyboom, they sense is close. Um, they just need him to kind of get more and more reps at second base and you know, to get comfortable there. But, you know, it, it really just to have a guy in there that they feel good about for a year or even less than before Keyboom is ready to take over, I think was the priority here. And I think Dozier fits that pretty perfectly.
0: And the price tag's nice, too, right? I mean, for a player with a, the history of Brian Dozier, for, for under $10 million is a pretty good get.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that that's, again, the, the, there were so many second basemen available, um, you know, between the D.J. Lemayu, Jed Lowry, Josh Harrison. I think it uh, the, the market was just so saturated at that position that, you know, you could find the guys in that next tier, that maybe not LeMahieu, he's the top prize there, that, um, you know, that have – a, a that, that you, you can get probably under under what their value or under you know at some kind of reasonable price, and I think um, you know to have it you know the old adage of there no being no being there being no bad one year deals, uh, you know th- this is something the Nationals are, are feel pretty good about and. Um, you know like you said it's just not a not a whole lot of risk involved here because you still have howie Kendrick which can also pair with him if, if one of the other struggles uh, you still have Defoe coming up and of course Carter key who could be ready if he continues to progress you know as early as this summer potentially so yeah i think that uh again this is a, a move that just fits the nationals really really well and something they feel um you know feels feel pretty good about another kind of addition of a checklist uh, item crossed off here on this uh, offseason to-do list for them
0: yeah, they've done pretty good with that to-do list and Doja really solidifies a solid um, infield overall for this Nationals team. Let's kind of go around the horn the rest of the way, starting over at first base, Ryan Zimmerman, longest tenured National. Um, it seems like right when you're ready to write him off, he has a good season. Um, what do we expect to see from Ryan Zimmerman in 2019?
1: I think staying healthy is, is, you know, it's obviously kind of almost cliche, and, and you heard about so many players, but you know, like you said, Ryan Zimmerman is, is pretty much proven when he's been healthy, like he was in 2017, uh, he is still an above average and a good major league hitter. And the only issue basically he's had over the past four or five years is can he stay on the field? Um, they've tried different things to to try that last year. The, the kind of notable one was would he play spring training games and uh, he got off to a slow start and then got hurt anyway, so they may try to modify that. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing for Zim is, is if he's on the field, they still feel like he just is a really capable bat. And having Matt Adams kind of to back him up at first base is also a big addition for them just because they can kind of lighten the workload off Zim. Uh, you know, if and when he needs to as well. So I think, you know, Ryan Zimmerman, they feel good about it. It's, just, it's going to be an interesting situation kind of for him going forward because he's he's in 29. It's going to be an important year for him too because this is the last year on his deal. Uh, the Nationals have an option uh, for 2020 in 2021, I believe. Uh, you know, and both, both sides, Zimmerman's kind of expressed that he doesn't have a desire really to play anywhere else in his career. And the Nationals have, uh, you know, Said there, and Rizzo actually said they were pretty open to the idea of Zimmerman uh, retiring in DC. So I think that, you know, this is an important year to see exactly what they can kind of work out for the future to see if they can make Brian Zimmerman you know, spend the rest of his career in, in DC. But um, for this year, I think they feel pretty good, if healthy, that Zimmerman can still contribute and just be a productive player for them.
0: He was their first ever draft pick yeah. as as, a Nash, as the Nationals, is that true? Yeah, in 2005, uh, they they drafted him, in, I think, in, in June. He ended up kind of making his major league debut the rest of that
1: year and has been a kind of a, a, a the cornerstone of the franchise ever since.
0: How cool would that be if he played his entire career with the team when he was their first yeah. ever draft pick? Pretty neat, so we'll see how that plays out over the... Next couple of years for Ryan Zimmerman. All right, we'll continue our way around. You mentioned Matt Adams and the nice insurance policy that he could be for this team. Let's move on to shortstop and Trey Turner, who all he's done here early in his career is is prove the naysayers wrong for the most part. What can he do to elevate his game to the next level in 2019?
1: You know, Trey's kind of an interesting player as well too, because he you know he's had stretches uh, where he has looked really, really amazing and like just one a, a really yep. great you know. The first half of last year, I think he was almost an all-star, and you could have made a case that um, I think he made the final vote last year. He's uh, tapered off a little bit defensively, kind of down the stretch, because he was cutting up some some really really good numbers. But in general, I mean, he's been a very very solid and, and good player for them, and, and a guy that um, a lot of I think some people thought when he first came up, he may have to switch to second base, or he may uh, you, you know they were questioned about his arm at short. And I think he's you know, proven at very worst, he can be an average second base, an average defensive shortstop, uh, and and you know. Potentially even become above average because he's simply got he's gotten better the the, for the last two years. He's done it full time. Uh, then obviously what he gives you on the base pass is, is is really really key. I think the Nets really kind of balanced a little bit last year, and I'm in, I'm interested to see what area they go uh, in with him. I mean, on one hand, they started the season saying, "Hey, this guy's a." Uh, he has a lot of speed, but he's also just a really, really good baseball player that just kind of happens to be really fast. And we're going to let him be a good baseball player. We're going to let him swing the bat. And, and you know, if he gets on base and can take advantage of his speed, we'll we'll, we'll deal with it then. But we want him to be a hitter. Um, and then as the season progressed, they kind of backed off that a little bit and kind of said, hey, Trey, you should lay down a bunt once in a while. And I thought that was just an interesting messaging. Um, and I think that, that, you know, Trey prefers the, the, the former of that. He prefers to just swing. And if he gets on base, if he wants to lay out a bunch, sure. But for the most part, he's up there trying to, to, to swing and, and be a hitter. Um, and I'm just curious to see which direction they lean in, whether it be for him or for them. Uh, do they want this guy to, to focus on, on, on you know, bunting or trying to beat out infield singles or whatever? Or is it a guy who they feel could have 15 or 20 home run power, um, even if he has to sacrifice maybe some of the, the, the grounders or whatever it is? So um, that's all to say, I think Trey's a really good player and they feel good about what they have. And the shortstop played all 162 games last year. Um, it's proven they can be durable and just be a kind of an impact player at the top of that lineup.
0: All right, and then over at the hot corner, Anthony Rendon is sitting there one year away from his own free agency, and everything we're hearing and dealing with with Bryce Harper this year could be to a scaled-down version, similar with Anthony Rendon. Next year now, he played 136 games in 2018, so fairly healthy, and he put together some nice numbers again, 24 homers, 44 doubles. Uh, He hit over 300 as well, drove in 92 runs in that lineup um, Anthony Rendon is a, is a guy that seems like he is happy in Washington, but this is a year where he could really make himself some money one year away from free agency.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a good chance that you know that he doesn't even get to that point. I mean, I think that both sides yeah. have. have Talked heavily about the Nationals have a desire to keep him. He, as guy, has a desire to stay in DC, um, and I think that they're going to talk eventually. He's got an arbitration deal; that's going to be due up here, uh, uh, you know, this for this season. They've got to figure out, but I think that um, they're going to talk about an extension. They've talked about an extension in, in the past year, and they're going to probably talk again before the season starts um, to see if they can get something done. I think that you know the one thing that's kind of maybe holding up those talks at the moment, obviously, is just kind of the, the unknown about Harper and will they have to commit. Or, you know, a, a certain number of some to him. But I think that, uh, you know, yeah, Rendon is, is it's funny. I mean, I had an MVP vote this year. And as I was putting everything together and looking at kind of list of players and all of a sudden <laughs> Rendon just kind of kept coming up <laughs> you know, near the top of every single list. And I think I ended up putting him at ninth or 10th on the, on the ballot. Um, You know, and he hadn't missed that about a month of the season Think he had a hand thing or I forget exactly what it was, but he missed about a month early on um, that kind of hindered his numbers. But when this guy's been on the field, he's one of the best position players in the National League. And I think that it's 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 just a, it's just a steady and consistent of players I've, I've seen. You know, even like the, even watching him every day last year, um, there was a point where he was on a twenty-eight or twenty-nine game on base streak. It may even been longer than that. Man, I may have noticed it around there. And I remember, you know, the Nationals uh, account or something tweeted about it and I, for the first time at, at that point. And I think when did this start? <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, just it's just kind of every day he just simply gets two hits or goes one for you know, one for three or the walk or whatever, and, and it, it just all of a sudden. You know, turns into a 20-some on-base streak, and his numbers are right where they are. And it's just, uh, it's just incredible to kind of watch the day in and day out kind of consistency that he has. That, you know, you might not look at it and see a remarkable play. He's really good on defense, or whatever, but you might not on one day be able to see it. But when you watch more of an extended period of time, it's just so excellent, um, you know, as consistently as he is. I think it's just, it's a really valuable, valuable player in the Nationals, and I uh, recognize that. And I think that, you know, he's going to seek to get paid uh, according to that.
0: Yeah, maybe underappreciated around the league, not by the nationals, but he's not I don't think he's held by most in the same regard as, say, Nolan Arenado, who will also be a free agent next year. Maybe he's not quite that good a player, but deserves to be in the discussion. And the Nationals know just how good he is. All right, let's cover the bench a little bit quickly. We've gone around the horn as far as the infield go. We mentioned Defoe. He'll have a, a spot on the roster, you would think, Howie Kendrick, and then eventually the kid, but how do how do those pieces uh, fit into this bench and playing time. Yeah, I think
1: they have a chance of a really good bench. You know, you'll have uh, it's pretty s- settled as well. You look at you know, Kendrick and Matt Adams will be kind of the two first guys off the bench, just right-handed, left-handed pitch hitters. they will be utility utility guys for Ken, uh, Kendrick will play some second base, first base, to the outfield. Matt Adams will be first base, um, maybe left field if they get into a bind. Michael Taylor will probably be the first outfielder off the bench. Um, they feel pretty important about you know having him on the bench uh, just because of some of the injuries and, and things they've had in the outfield. Uh, you have a backup catcher, which one of, of uh, Suzuki and Gomes isn't playing. Uh, then you have Wimber Defos. I mean, they're they're pretty set on the bench. I'm guessing they may have some guys come in for the minors and compete uh, during spring training, maybe for an extra spot or so. But, um, you know, they feel pretty good about the five guys they're going to have at uh, any given day on the bench. And this should be one of
0: their strengths as well. So it seems like if now that Dozier's been added to this yeah. roster, if everyone stays healthy all season long, which we know what the right. chances right. of that are, but... If everyone did stay healthy, Carter Keeboom could pretty much just play a year in the minors and maybe be a September call-up. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think that essentially Carter Keeboom is in the role that, um, you know, the Robles or Trey Turner a couple of years ago where he has to almost force their hand. And, and you know, if he, I think the biggest thing for, for them first is that he hasn't played a whole, whole lot at second base. Um, that the Arizona, he's been a shortstop through the minors. and he, They believe he can do it, but he's starting the Arizona Fall League. Uh, he just doesn't have enough reps, and they don't want to put him in a major league spot at second base when it just hey he hasn't done it. At any kind of level, and I think he said pretty much significantly since you know little league or middle school or whatever it has been. Um, so I think that they want to they want him to um, get comfortable at the position. And if he's carrying it up in the minors and he's doing really well at, at defense at second base, you know potentially he could push his way into the roster as early as this summer. But uh, I think that best case scenario they've set themselves up. But we don't need or have to count on Carter Kibu making this development this year. If it happens, we can figure something out and kind of move some pieces around. Um, and if not, and there an injury, they can kind of figure it out but um, if not they feel like they should be set with what they have enough options to kind of get them through the rest of the season
0: all right it's a good infield uh it's a very good outfield as well we'll see if that outfield is added to in the next couple of weeks with Bryce Harper's decision. And we will continue to make our way around the diamond as far as the Nationals go between now and the beginning of spring training to get you all set up for the 2019 Washington Nationals. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. You can find Jamal on Twitter at Jamal Collier. I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. This podcast and all of our MLB Extras Club podcasts can be found at MLB.com backslash podcast. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Google Play as well. Check out all of Jamal's stories on nationals.com. That'll do it for this podcast. Thank you for listening.